Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. And as always, thank you for listening. So I have been trying to remove some books from my library. I got a lot of books. Um, And I wish I could say I've read them all. That'd be really cool. I'm trying, but I'm not there yet. Here's what I want to say. I was ran across the fact that I had like 11 Bibles. And uh, now that may seem like a lot, but there are people with tons more. Uh, and if you're a, a collector like me, sometimes it tends to be a weakness. Now, the... Uh, doesn't matter with having a bunch of Bibles as long as you read them. <laughs> yeah. And yes, I read the Bible. And I read, at times, out of every one of them for certain reasons. But I ran across something else I was looking at. And that was, I was getting rid of, I had like, uh, I don't think, ten Greek books. Uh, and not books written in Greek, but uh, books about Koine Greek, the biblical Greek. And that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. However, again, you need to be reading all those. Now, it's interesting, and I've got a lot of reference material because when I worked at the Bible Bookstore many years ago, and that wasn't the name of it, it wasn't called the Bible Bookstore, it was a Bible Bookstore that had a lot of Christian material in it. Um, the reference section is the one that fascinated me the most, partially because the reference section had a wealth of just super good information in it about the Bible, about translations, uh, commentaries, and things of that nature. And man, I used to sit in there and just, you know, I'd clean that, I'd volunteer to clean that area up just so I could look at that. And that's because, man, I'm a weirdo. I love that stuff. But it's interesting how much material from the reference section ended up going through the brain of somebody and was in the regular book section of that Christian bookstore. But here's here's some things to say. I've mentioned before about kind of a perspective on the New Testament and the Bible itself, and the Old Testament specifically, especially. And the fact that someone actually thought up this division of old and new. Um, God never said that. Uh, Somebody else said that. As a matter of fact, somebody else divided our Bible into verses and red letter and all kinds of other fun stuff. And for all of you out there that, God bless you, thought that the Bible originally came with red letters in some places, you know, I love you. I just got to say that. Uh, it, it wasn't so, 
but I just love you because, man. So here's the thing. There's so many Bibles, and I think it's a good thing because you get to see through the eyes of the translators. Now, there is, by the way, no translation that is specifically, uh, shall we say, has a stamp of approval, uh, 100% verification from God. Now, there are some KJV people that are going to be falling on the floor holding their chest. And I'm telling you right now, uh, it was been around four or five hundred years. Uh, the reliability, uh, I get it. I get it. I'm not going to go there. But here's the thing. Um, I do believe you need a very good literal translation as your base and then you need and then you can look at some of the other translation possibilities because look people the translators are human and they have to make decisions they have to make decisions and we don't think they do but you got to understand that there are times that they make decisions um based on how they feel, their own spiritual life, where they're walking, because they're human. Now, and that doesn't make them infallible. But what it... Now, do I believe the original manuscripts were in, were absolutely without error? Yeah, I sure do. Yeah, 5,000%. And there's some people out there who probably think, I've just lost my nut. But I'm serious. Uh, I do. However, comma... I don't have them. I don't have them. What we have is 5,000 for the New Testament uh, of other manuscripts. Now, the argument go, you know, you could press the argument to 98% of the original, and, and, and I get that too. Um, but here's what I got to say make yourself knowledgeable about the Word of God, about the original languages it came out of. Now, here's what I ran across that's pretty, kind of, fairly interesting, okay? And, I'm, and this, is, this is from a Greek book, a Greek manuscript, kind of, not a manuscript, excuse me, but a, a kind of how to teach yourself Greek, biblical Greek, New Testament Greek. This is in. This is out of the Teacher Self series. Uh, it's complete New Testament Greek, and this is level four. It says from beginner to intermediate. Now, this is put together by a gentleman by the name of Gavin Batts, and uh, I'll be honest, I haven't read this completely through. Uh, I like what I see. To be honest, it's probably. Uh, it goes a little fast for me because it's uh, level four, and I need to be uh, boning up and you know studying harder. 
But here's what he says. And this is off of uh, Unit 2, page 15. And in the notes section, it says in, under note number one, in, in English, the present tense has different forms. I loosen, I am loosening, I do loosen, and so on. And there are distinctions in usage between these. Greek has only one present tense, and we must decide from the context which English form we should use to translate a Greek verb in this tense. In one context, and it gives a Greek word, and I should pronounce that, but I'm not, uh, might mean they loosen, and then another one, it may mean they are loosening, or or do they loosen? So here's, end quote. Now here's the, here's the thing. It says, Greek has only one present tense, and we must decide from the context which English form we should use to translate the Greek verb in this tense. Now, what does that mean in English? It means that in translation, what you're trusting is a translator who has dedicated their life and their time and their brain and their spirit life toward the Word of God to rightly divine the Word of Truth by giving you the best translation they know how to do based on what their instructions are. Alright, does that make it per- make them perfect? No. Hopefully it makes them godly men or women. In many cases, you know, men and women have, you know, have both uh, been on teams for translation. Now, if you have to decide the context, it's like I've mentioned before, and you don't understand Jewish culture and history. I mean, you have a grip on it, and even Jewish language, if you don't understand Hebrew, how can you pull out the meaning of a passage that's totally Jewish? If you don't understand Jewish, even if you're in Greek. Now, now, what does that mean to us? What does that mean to the average person in the pew? It means this. Find a really good base study version, okay? And look at some others. You don't have to be a whiz kid at Bible everything to develop your spiritual life. But you should want to know as much about the Bible as possible. And that includes languages it's written in. Now, uh, for example, let's take one verse, and this will be 
the verse most people already know, John 3.16. Well, in the King James, which is how I learned it, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay? Now, let's go from there to the New International. Because these are two different thought processes in translation. Okay? And you'll you'll hear it. So the NIV, John 3.16, says... And this is the original NIV, not one of the wild variations. I shouldn't say wild, I'm saying one of the other variations. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, let me grab another one, because this is a little interesting, and I want you, I want you to catch the little difference here. The New Living Translation says this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Interesting. So, in other words, you know, they're... they're kind of taking that approach this uh, the approach that God demonstrate, demonstrated his love toward us in this that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us that's another verse well they're taking that verse to kind of bring that into this verse that, that thought process okay the theme alright and I like it I like it but if you're gonna if you're gonna get down to brass tacks, okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna screw this down to the floor, then uh, then you can go back to the King James, and there's also uh, and KJV people forgive me, but I'm gonna talk about you know some of these other versions here. New American Standard says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son." so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, so, once again, why? Why? Why should I look at other versions? Because of the richness. Because unless you can read it from the Greek and read it from the Hebrew, and catch the nuances that are there, that are fantastic, I mean, fantastic nuances. It, it's like opening a flower. It's like a, it's like a flower opening. Every time a layer of petals open, you see something else, and it's beautiful. It's like turning a diamond. Every time you turn the diamond, there's a new facet, you know, a new a new place where the light hits and you see something else. So if you're not going to get into the original language, which I still encourage people to do, absolutely would love people to do. But if you're if you're not going to try to to get into that, then get some other translations so that you can look at 
some of the ways different translators looked at the verse. Now, are there more loose translations by liberal translations by, yeah, they're kind of more concerned about the language and then the thought, you know, than they are about what it's actually, you know, edged in stone? Yeah, there is. Are there also translations that are so so precise that unless you're kind of familiar with the syntax of, of how the language is put together originally, that it looks kind of wooden and kind of rough to read, yeah, there's some of those too. But if you look at the word... I guarantee you, guarantee you, it says God's word will not return void. Will not. And if you will take the time to do your devotion, then think of it this way. If you have a little daily devotion, one of those little books that has just a little section, a day at a time, get a couple of versions out. And read that passage in, in, in maybe a couple of other versions. And then look at the devotion. See if it doesn't ramp it up a notch for you. See if it doesn't ramp it up a notch. And, here's another thought. Find a version you will read. Because it doesn't matter if you have the original manuscripts. And you know how to read Greek and Hebrew fluently. If you are not going to read them, it's not going to matter. You have to find a version you will read. And memorize. And by the way, some translations are easier to memorize. But it, but it depends on how your mind works. For example... Some people like the NIV because it flows with the English language and the New Living Translation. It flows with the, you know, in the ESV, the English Standard Version, it flows with the language. So for some reason, you know, for some people, their brain just clicks on that. Other people like the wooden structure of the King James. For God so loved the world, boom, that he gave his only begotten Son, boom, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, boom but have an everlasting life. And, and I'm not saying that to be irreverent. I'm saying that, that it, those breaks in there give you snippets, that, you know, sections that you can memorize of the verse so it cuts it up for you, you see. But other people can just memorize the whole phrase because it flows in English. So find a version that your brain akins itself to, a good version, please, and by the good, a good version, I mean one that doesn't have fuzzy scholarship. Because I absolutely do not recommend. Uh, well, let me let me say this before I get myself in trouble. Um, let's say. A version where they're not playing around with the Greek. 
because there are some particular groups and denominations that uh, slant things in their direction. So if it's a denominational situation where a denomination or a certain group has, has sponsored that, then think about it. I'm not saying abandon it. I'm saying watch that real careful before you grab it. All right. I personally am not a fan of the Watchtower version. So, that being the case, everyone gets to make up their own mind. But, discernment's the key. But above all, remember that it's... It's the word you get inside you. You've got to get the word inside of you. And memorize it. And read it. And memorize it. And read it. And I can tell you it'll change you. In a positive way. So with that thought in mind. I want to encourage you. Always. To keep on speaking. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always. Don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your efforts.